from Pump House 110 Productions. You've now entered the paranormal radius with your hosts, Chris and Anissa, where darkness comes to light and we explore everything that goes bump in the night. Sit back, hold on, and get lost with us as we discover how the supernatural impacts our new sense of reality. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Paranormal Radius. I'm Chris. And I'm Anissa. And today we're going to be sharing my encounter with Sasquatch. I know I've alluded to it quite a bit in the past, and today's the day that we're going to share it on the episode. I was interviewed by Tony Merkel on the Confessionals podcast, but now that we have our own format and a little bit of thinking, I decided let's go ahead and get this out there even more. So again, Tony, thank you for having me on, and I want to share this with you guys as listeners and fans. Uh, We are really excited to bring this to you. Obviously, I was not there during this time, so I'm going to be doing more of the listening today and getting all super excited when he says the (laughs) exciting parts of the story. And so, but I will let Chris take over and explain all of his fun stuff. All right, so we're based out of Washington State, and I had moved back to Washington from Oregon, and a friend of mine that I had met in Oregon came up to stay with me, and we decided to just do a big hiking trip into the Lewis County uh, in the backcountry, out kind of by the Gifford Pinchot National Forest. And my buddy and I were pretty open to the whole Bigfoot paranormal scenario, but, you know, what are the odds of it actually being true? Kind of a fascination from a kid's type of thing, you know, kids like monsters and everything. So we'll fast forward up to uh, the year 2014 when he came up, and we drove out to uh, Lewis County backcountry, and it was in the Gifford Pinchot, like I said. We parked the car in this little it's it's off kind of the beaten path but it was an old parking area for an old trailhead that didn't get frequented too much so we stopped there and we'd kind of mapped out an idea of where we wanted to go but nothing really definitive we were just going to kind of go for it and because we were going to be hiking so much we packed very light we brought MREs single single person tents which will come into play later because you can actually fit two people in there, but it is <laughs> not the most ideal of situations. So we parked the car, lock everything up, make sure we got all our gear, and we headed about nine miles into the backcountry. And this is a trail that hadn't been used for, I couldn't tell you how long, but uh, what we do is we kind of look, you know, obviously for tracks of people and everything, and there wasn't any. And something I like to call uh, Charmin flowers, which is when people use the bathroom, females and males, and with the toilet paper, they just kind of leave these little, they look like little flowers from, you know what you do when you go to the bathroom. I don't need to go into detail <laughs> on that. But um, that's kind of a distinguished thing to look for when it's uh, frequently traveled into the backcountry. And we see it a lot when we're riding on our horseback trips. But this, there was no indication of any human involvement. Um, There was game trails, which is pretty typical. We have a lot of elk and uh, an area that's called the goat rocks, which has mountain goats and lots of wildlife. So we're kind of expecting just, you know, kind of a scenic trip and hopefully see something, but just basically get out of town for a while and enjoy it. So the first day we hiked in and we, like I said, we're about nine miles in. Uh, We set up camp and started a fire and just kind of BSed about, you know, the good old days and just kind of do what you do when you're out and about in the woods and didn't hear anything other than, you know, the, the sounds of the night, which people understand when you've been in the woods at night, there's just kind of a white noise that goes along with it. The second day we wake up and decide, let's go for a hike. So that's the whole premise of being here. So we hiked, oh, I'd say roughly five miles, give or take in, and we came across this structure and it was really bizarre. It was built not quite like an A-frame structure, but 
it had large, I, I guess I would call almost logs, but they're big limbs. They were, a lot of them were about nine inches in circumference, which if anybody's picked up a nine inch round piece of wood that's even two or four feet long, you know the weight. Well, this was, you know, these were seven, eight, and six foot sections, which is more than any one person outside of a US strongman or worldwide strongman could actually do in, in a stack. And it had, you know, the pine and had some, I believe it was like a cedar, but then they had boughs draped across it. So it was, it was like a hiding structure. And when you stepped in and looked out, it was kind of bedded down a little bit. They'd had some underbrush or something put in there. Didn't really know what it was, but this couldn't have been something from a hunter because it was fairly fresh. And like I said, there was no sign of anyone coming in at that point, but who knows, you know, maybe we missed somebody coming in. Well, I have so a quick question. Yeah. If you were just walking by it and you weren't familiar with any sort of Bigfoot structures or whatever, would it be something that someone could hide in? Or was it like, oh my God, there it looks like there's a house there, but that's weird because, or like a, a housing type structure, but that's weird because we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no one around. Well, it was almost like it was something that you would hide in because it looked out over kind of a valley for almost like a, a camouflage ambush. It was almost like how a duck hunter sets up a duck blind. But the way it was positioned, certain angles, you wouldn't have known it was there. We just happened to come across it. And it wasn't open across like a field or anything where it could have been a hunter's like deer blind or something? No, it, it, it did face a meadow, but it wasn't a very large meadow. Mm. It it was more of a clearing in the, in the timbers up there because we weren't so high up in elevation yet that everything became like a subalpine, a very small circumference tree. There are still large timbers in that area. It was kind of that middle ground of the high elevation and mid-level elevation, you know, the the two to three thousand foot level on up to probably four to five thousand. It was okay. right in that that little sweet spot. Okay. So I jokingly said to my buddy, I said, huh, looks like Bigfoot might be here. And we kind of laughed about it. And he looked at me and said, you know, they talk about to get a response from a ghost or something, you're supposed to piss it off. So who knows? Let's, you know, he goes, let's screw with it and see if we can't get something. And, <laughs> and he started kind of pushing stuff around and knocking it down. I was like, dude, don't be an asshole. And I strangely felt really odd about like a level of guilt that it was bizarre. We shouldn't have, but it felt like we were destroying something that was important. And it just didn't sit well with me, which was, uh, I guess, an odd sensation. And I said, all right, dude, knock it off. And he had done some damage to it. And I was like, come on, let's just hike. So we continued to hike, saw, you know, some great backcountry views and had some lunch and then headed back to camp. Well, that night we were sitting around the fire and ate a meal and it was dusk going into dark and we started hearing loud knocks like it almost sounded like if you clap your hands together and made that kind of kapop noise but it also sounded like something was beating on a tree and there's no one out here and it got super super quiet and we could hear one like a loud like a whoop and then to the left there's a big distance between the response but it almost sounded kind of like a a whale, or not not like a beluga whale, but a whale like a cry, but it sounded like an air raid siren. And they went back and forth with these knockings and whooping, and it just, it was really bizarre. And I looked at my buddy, I was like, dude, I told you not to piss them off. Now they're, now they're, they're pissed, they're coming for us. And we laughed it off and uh, we went to bed and uh, I was laying there and I was about ready to fall asleep. And I heard this loud howl that was relatively close followed by this scream and the woods had gone eerily silent and it sounded much closer to 
to where we were originally before we went to our tent to retire for the night. And it just sounded like something was almost encroaching in our personal space. And where we were camping, it had a lot of openings and there was some like shale rock face by us and it kind of led, I'll try to put something up on our website, a picture of relatively, I I don't want to give the location away, but um, I'll take I will take people there once I know I can trust them and show Mm -hmm. it, but um, I'll try to post a picture similar so you can get a better visual to my story, but I'll try to be as descriptive as I can. But it faced uh, very selective timber. There was a lot of openings and there was kind of a high elevation like that, that sandy dirt type material that you get up with all the pine trees. And so there was some underbrush, but not a lot, but it was, it was spacious enough. You could, you could see through the trees, which that'll come into play later. So the next morning we wake up and I'm kind of shook up by the whoops and the the scream and the howl that came in because it wasn't like a cougar. I've heard cougar. I've heard all the different types of animals that you can really hear in the woods because I used to always be in the in the woods and in the timbers. I growing up in Washington, growing up in Oregon, being a native Northwesterner, that's kind of what you do. But this was something like I hadn't heard before and it was bone chilling. So but what was it a like a when you're talking about the howl and the scream, was it like a like an agony, like the uh, an animal was hurt or no, like it, almost like a roar, like something was pissed or it, how it wasn't, was it? It wasn't like a roar. It almost sounded like it was like a blood curdling, like if you can imagine a woman's shriek followed by, you know, the air raid siren that starts low and goes high and then trails back off. Now there's, uh, you can look online and I believe it's the Ohio sounds that, uh, the, and you look that up and it plays kind of an audio that they believe to be Sasquatch making that, that air raid type call. And I highly recommend um, downloading and listening to uh, Ron Moorhead's The Sierra Sounds because that's going to come into play as well. And it is probably some of the best evidence out there of a speech pattern and uh, the communicative abilities of this cryptid. So I get up on that third day and I'm kind of just weirded out by it. And my buddy, I was like, hey man, let's go, let's go take a walk, see what we can't find. And he goes, no, nah, I'm going to hang out here. That was, that was some weird ass noises last night. So I did what's probably not the smartest thing to do, and I can't encourage anybody to do this, but I went on a hike by myself. I kind of told him roundabout where I'm going to be, but Disclaimer, that is not something safe to do when you're in the backcountry by yourself because it's better to do everything in pairs. So now I got that out of the way. I go back and I just felt compelled to go by the the structure we found. So I go to it and I'm looking around and I again, I just felt, it's, it's weird. It's like a burdening sadness. It makes me sound like a sissy, but it was just, it was weird. So I did the best I could to try to repair it. And I just felt compelled to do that. So I did. And I had found... When you repair it, what do you mean? I tried to stack up some of the the big branches that he had knocked down. And I tried to restore it before... Because he knocked down like a quarter of it. And I tried the best I could to try to put stuff back up where it was. Just, I don't know, it it was a compulsion to do. I just felt like I needed to try to make it right. And I can't really explain that as to why. So I also thought, you know, what the hell? Let's... uh let's do what the hippies do. So I picked some <laughs> um, high, high elevation uh, flowers some columbine and some other, I think they're columbine, but anyway, some of the wildflowers. And I just kind of dropped them down in front where, you know, the entrance to that structure, hunting shed, whatever the heck it was, is. And I thought, that nah, can't hurt. So I continued to hike about another mile or so. Sorry, around. back to the flowers. It, like a, a bouquet, like together? Or did you just kind of like make it prettier because you put flowers around? I, or how? I picked 
a random handful of flowers and set them down in the front middle entrance of where I think you would access it, the big opening. And I just kind of put them dead nut center in the middle. Okay. So like if somebody walked up to the structure, they would see that that was purposefully done, not just like no, random they, flowers that no, had blown it, in. It didn't look like they were growing there or they'd blown in because the grouping, these flowers naturally don't really grow together. I just kind of walked around and randomly picked up some flowers and was trying to take in the sounds and I was thinking god am I really are we really out here with Bigfoot kind of a thing it was it was kind of a surreal feeling okay so I uh head back to camp and my buddy's there and he goes well did you see or hear anything I said no it was a a pretty good hike did you anything some weird ass shit happen here and he said no not at all I'm like all right so we just decided it was getting late afternoon early evening so we hung out and started to just kind of visit and I decided well we're getting tired we're going to do another big hike the next day so let's go ahead and turn in I felt really uneasy and just uncomfortable before we went to bed the woods got eerily silent and when I mean silent it is like any audible noise outside is completely turned off and you know when you go if you've had a hearing test you go into a soundproof room and you can just hear that dull ringing in your ear and there is no ambient noise that's exactly what it was and I was laying in my tent and my buddy was probably maybe 10 feet across from where my tent was and he's already snoring and sawing logs I'm like okay well that that must be nice and I felt really uncomfortable well it's probably eight nine o'clock in the evening I can't really narrow down exactly what time but it's dark and it's fairly early I hadn't been asleep yet well I heard some underbrush kind of crunching I hear this this these kind of footsteps and I thought oh great he left some of the he left some food out or we've got a bear coming in or a cat or a bobcat you know and I'm thinking well we got something and I said well, you dumbass and it was walking closer but then I realized it was a bipedal walk it didn't have the pattern of a four-legged animal walking it was very deliberate and the steps were spaced out uh, so it just sounded like a like a very large person was walking because you know you can kind of time the steps a bipedal step you know a, a crunch crunch versus a four-legged you know you can hear every hoof or every paw come down and it's pretty sequential so I'm laying there and then I felt super uneasy really uncomfortable and I had my tent you know those half moon windows that are in those tents I had it about halfway with the flap tucked in so I could get some sun or sunlight, some moonlight because it was a beautiful clear night. And I felt the need to go ahead and pop up and look out my window, but for some reason I was terrified. And at this point, everything, like I said, had gone completely eerily silent. Everything had shut off and all I could hear was some steps. And I finally mustered up the courage to sit up. And when I did, this is the part that, I mean, I get goosebumps just sharing it. between 8 and 12 feet from my tent in a clearing in between the timbers was fucking Bigfoot. (laughs) And sorry for the language, but... For for clarity, Bigfoot was not in the act of fornicating. He was just, you know, excited to see Bigfoot. Right, right, right. That's what I mean. He wasn't wasn't doing the mating dance. And frankly, the size of this thing, if it wanted me, it was going to have me. But so I look look out and it's got its back kind of towards me. And then it, it... it pivots over and it's it steps to its right and it looks directly at me and the moon was out and if you guys have been up in the high country uh, three quarter to full moon really illuminates everything so i could make out the face the eyes and it locked eyes with me okay but baby for those people that don't aren't avid cryptologists like we are and don't know this Describe what you're seeing. If somebody doesn't know what Bigfoot looks like, I tell was, me what you're seeing. I was getting there. Okay. So 
this he was roughly now granted i was laying down partially sitting up so i'll try not to make it too grandiose and i'm going to play it conservative but it was about eight feet tall its shoulder width was a good four feet shoulder to shoulder across and it was barrel shaped but it tapered towards the waist and when it turned it didn't necessarily turn just its head it turned its upper half of its body to look and that's when it sidestepped and we locked eyes and it was a blackish under the moonlight i mean everything looks black but i mean you could kind of make out almost uh, a little bit of auburn it had a face that was kind of human-like but ape-like in the same it, it had like an ape's nose a pronounced mouth but you're absolutely frozen time stops you just lock and it's this weird feeling that you ca- you just can't shake and so it turns broad and it looks at me and it huffs and it had like a deep rumble and the best way i can describe it is if you've been to the zoo and you've heard a lion purr you can hear how intense that is this was like somebody took a big concert bass drum and was just beating the hell out of both sides of it with the with the mallet it was just this deep rumble that reverberated and you felt you've just you completely felt it flow through your body and we made eye contact it stood there for a while and then in the distance there was a loud whoop and a knock and it turned and it looked in that direction and it looked back at me and then it huffed after that low grumble and it was just you know a huff but it was like no huff that i've ever heard before it it like i said it just it penetrates your damn soul and uh there was another whoop and a holler and is it starting to step and walk away in the distance there was what the sierra sounds call samurai chatter almost like uh, a japanese language the way they're the cadence of it and it's it's kind of like a like that it's bizarre and it stopped and then it huffed and it looked back a last time and then headed out in the direction in between where my tent was and my buddy's tent was and it stepped out and i watched it track away till i couldn't hear it anymore i heard the chatter again and then I heard one loud knock, and this knock sounded so close, it was almost like two giant hands clapping together or something hitting a tree. Because of this encounter, I was put in contact with uh, James Bobo Fay, and that's where I've come to the conclusion that it's almost like a hand clap. Um, I've spoken on the phone with Bobo multiple times, and he put that theory out there that it could be their hands clapping together because the, the intensity of the knock it sounds like a tree, but it, 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 the concussion of it sounds like two hands clapping together. And for those of you that don't know or don't follow this, um, Bobo is uh, with part, I think it was on the Discovery Network, but had a... a and travel. And travel. That um, had like a, a Bigfoot hunting expedition that they would go out and go research and go, you know, go hunt at night for Bigfoot, everything else. And so... Bobo is well known amongst the cryptid community. He's been on uh, multiple shows. He's him and uh, Cliff Brackman have had, they have their own podcast right now, and they've been on uh, numerous shows, including their own, regarding Sasquatch. And so it was nice to be able to confer with him, and like I said, we've had multiple conversations together, and he's helped to kind of shed light on what was going on. And um, I'm hoping to be on their podcast soon. Um, I'm still talking with him. It's just a, a timing issue. So anyway, back to watching it walk away, hearing the chatter, and then the last little knock that was relatively close. I obviously did not sleep that night. <laughs> I, I did finally fall asleep for about, I think, maybe 40 minutes due to just pure exhaustion. And I was up 
uh, right about sunlight the next morning. And my buddy, the whole time this was going on, he's over there snoring. He's sleeping right <laughs> through it. And I'm, I'm petrified. I don't want to wake him up because if this thing wanted to come through the tent, it literally would have, it, as close as it was, and the amount of gait that it has in its walk, it would be one step and it'd be on me. But it was just a, a very surreal, it makes me, it gives me goosebumps. It makes me shake talking about it. So sorry about my voice. Um, so that next morning we wake up and I tell him, did you hear any of that shit last night? He's like, no, man, I slept good last night. You've got to be kidding me. So I told him what happened and he's laughing at me. He's like, oh yeah, whatever. You're just trying to scare me. So I thought, okay, you know, forget it. This is how it starts. No one's going to want to really listen to it or believe you. That, that's fine. Skeptics unite. That's cool. So I was like, I want to go take a hike today. We were going to be leaving the next day. So we leave camp about 7.30, 8 o'clock that morning, pack some lunch in our, we'll pack MREs, and we head out, and we went a different way as to where the structure was, and we didn't hear anything, see anything. It was, you know, birds, that's about it, and it was a good, it was a good hike. And uh, we started heading back. We knew we had about four hours of daylight left, so we head back to make sure we were back before the sunset. Well, we get back to camp, and I look at my buddy, and my buddy looks at me, and the camp was completely, and I mean completely destroyed. His tent was torn into sections. His sleeping bag was 15 feet up in a tree, ripped to hell. His food and what he had in there was thrown all over the place. Nothing was taken. Nothing was opened and eaten. So it didn't, and to get the sleeping bag and stuff that high up the tree, maybe a bear would climb it. But to have a sleeping bag in a bear's mouth climbing 15 up, 15 feet up in a tree and leaving it there just... It makes about as much sense as Bigfoot coming in and destroying the damn camp. But like I said, everything he had was completely destroyed everywhere. I look over 10 feet to my left, my camp, nothing had been touched. My cup was still hanging on the little limb on the tree. Everything of mine was fine. Not even the, the sandy bottom wasn't even disrupted where we were walking. But in front of my tent was a handful of not the same flowers, but there was probably, I, I think I remember I counted eight or nine wildflowers in front of where my tent opened and i looked at my buddy and he's you know pardon the language he goes what the fuck we were completely at a loss but now it's getting dark so we don't want to hike out in the dark but we also don't really want to stay here but our options are pretty limited so he goes well do we want to hike in the dark and i was like that makes no sense man it's it's too that's how people get killed get lost get hurt let's let's make a fire hole up and Let's just get out of here as soon as we can get towards daylight. So that night, we hung out. We had a fire going. Um, we didn't really speak much. We just, every time a cricket chirped, you know, we jumped. And we were looking behind us. And I don't think I, I don't think any of us went to the bathroom that night either. We just said, <laughs> screw this. We're staying by the fire. And we had what lights we had on. And there was no no noise, no nothing. It was just, like, everything was calm in, in camp and around us. And there was no other than us being scared, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit that. So we ended up both in my tent, which I tell you what, man, don't do that in a, in a single person hiking tent. <laughs> but we hung out in there for a few hours and it was getting close to, to daylight. So we packed up, we took what we could get and tried to pack out to not leave. You know, we, we try to do zero impact camping when we do the survival camping trips but there was some stuff we couldn't get out. And so it stayed up in the tree. It stayed spread around where we couldn't get to it. So we hiked the fastest I've ever hiked back to the car and we loaded up and drove back to where I reside in Washington. And uh, 
the next day he got up and headed back to Oregon. And uh, we spoke about it maybe four or five times since then. And it, it definitely changes everything. I, I want to take Anissa up there. I'm ready to go back. And I want to camp. She doesn't want to camp. No, yeah, because I don't do well in the dark at home, let alone the dark in the middle of the woods where he's seen Bigfoot. So, no. I made it. <laughs> I made it home okay. We're cool. Uh-huh, totally I, fine. Yeah, me and Bigfoot, we, we see eye to eye. Or actually, well, I see eye to belly button. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I am planning to, to make a trek back out there. I've talked with Tony Merkel, and I've talked with uh, Bobo. Uh, Bobo lives in Northern California, and we're trying to figure out a time where they can come up and the three of us can go out there and I can show them where everything is and everything that happened. And so I'd like to get, you know, a group of open-minded professionals that maybe we could do a trek up there. So that's basically my encounter. Um, I kind of jumped around a little bit, but recapping it in my head, I, I always remember one other little detail that I may have forgot to mention, but that's basically the meat and potatoes of what truly lit the fire under my ass to get involved in the paranormal, the haunted, the cryptid, the conspiracy theories. It's been a real driving force, and I'm hoping by me opening up and the vulnerability of sharing something like this will help people out there that want to discuss it be open and discuss it with other like-minded and or skeptical people. Just Take the ridicule with the support because you know what happened. You know what you saw. And all it comes down to is when you look at your reflection, you shared what changed your viewpoint on what we think is uh, relative in the radius. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to share that because I know it's not easy. I know that when you and I first got together, it was something that you were nervous even to share with me. And then since then, you have, I've encouraged you to share with others because I think it's a beautiful story. Whether you believe in everything that that happened or you believe it's Bigfoot or whatever, like to me, it's just, it's a fantastic uh, memory that you have. And I love that you want to share it with everybody. So um, we are getting close to our time limit. So I'm thinking if you're okay with it, what we'll do is we will just uh, stop here, say our goodbyes, and then we might even release a bonus episode where we can talk a little bit more about cryptids. I don't have a brief experience, but my mother's friend has a brief experience over in Walla Walla that I wanted to talk about. And we can kind of talk about the interdimensional aspect of uh, Bigfoot and kind of go into those sorts of theories. But we wanted this episode to be strictly about Chris's experience. Right. And I would also like to put the disclaimer out there. Don't go out to the woods provoking anything oh God, because no. anything can happen i mean you heard the term don't poke a bear well <laughs> no shit so don't go out there if you're seeking bigfoot or just being in the woods in general be respectful don't provoke things leave it better than you found it because i have seen firsthand that these are very intelligent creatures they're very deliberate they're very thought oriented and i think it was just flexing on us saying you want to wreck my stuff i'm going to wreck your stuff and I think it was trying to match tit for tat. And these have been known, um, there's records of them being aggressive. And I would hate to hear of someone going out there being stupid, thinking, you know, this is all a bunch of crap. And to have you guys be another missing 411 story where you're out in the woods and nobody knows what happened to you because you did something stupid with the hopes of coming home with a cool story. So please be respectful and don't provoke anything. And I mean anything in the woods, please. So we'd like to thank you guys for listening. Our podcast is continuing to just blow up and grow. And 
the community that's supporting us is some of the best out there. So thank you guys so much for giving us your time and your listenership. We have a lot more on the way and we can't thank you guys enough. And thank you for hearing my story. Absolutely. And we will get another episode out to you soon. Man, you guys are just going to get bombarded with episodes this week. Because, you know, we, we felt bad about the gap. So yeah. we're, we're going we're gonna to make it right. So thanks again, guys. Bye.